0: what's going on everyone welcome to the pound for pound podcast on today's episode we're talking the nFL draft recapping the eight players washington selected in the 2022 nFL draft we're talking a free agent signing that happened two days ago and we're gonna have a listener hotline segment on today's episode stay tuned you're not going to want to miss it thanks for tuning in and let's roll it's never pretty guys sometimes it's never good but the truth of the matter in this game is you take them how they come. By Heineke and out of bounds inside the five. Heineke with protection. Plourde breaks free. Wow! What a pass Okay, you stuck together. You do things that you needed to do, but there are a lot of things we got to correct A lot of things we to get better at. That's the truth. What a play! This is the Pound for Pound podcast. What's going on, everyone? Hope everyone is having a blessed day super excited to get into today's episode. We're going to be talking about the 2022 NFL draft and recapping what essentially was a a very quality draft for Washington, in my opinion. We're going to go over every pick, every trade back, and we're going to talk about how these players are going to fit into what Washington is trying to do. Um, We're going to talk about the controversy surrounding the trade backs, missing out on some high-quality blue-chip prospects, and talk about what we decided to go with instead, what we pivoted to, and essentially how the draft played out. So entering the draft, uh, Washington always knew that they wanted to to trade back and that the six picks that they had entering the draft was just not enough for them. They felt that they needed to move back and try to get some players that could fill out their roster in the mid-rounds and... We we saw that happen when they traded their 11th overall pick to New Orleans for the 16th overall pick. Uh, In that trade, Washington received uh, a third-round pick and a fourth-round pick, and uh, the New Orleans Saints came up and selected wide receiver Chris Olave. Chris Olave was linked to Washington throughout the entire pre-draft process, and it was clear Washington was targeting a wide receiver, as they were heavily connected to not only Chris Olave, but also to wide receivers Drake London and Gary Wilson. Drake London was more likely than not the highest wide receiver on their board, so after he was selected 8th overall to the Falcons, Washington seemed poised to trade back, especially after... Pick ten, the pick before them, the New York Jets selected Gary Wilson out of Ohio State. That left Washington in a bit of a predicament. They were facing uh they had a couple players on their board. They knew New Orleans was moving up for Chris Olave. You don't make that trade. Uh New Orleans had to let you know what they were coming up to get and they had to have been comfortable with with passing up on Chris Olave to get the to get the draft capital and then select another player on their board. Uh, you know washington moving back was always the the second choice in my opinion i think london drake london was the number one option for washington and if he wasn't there they were going to do everything they could to trade back when they did that trade back however they moved back five spots and there were some there were some high quality players on there that a lot of fans a lot of a lot of the media were were really uh, you know connecting to washington pick 11 Players like Kyle Hamilton was still available, uh, the safety out of Notre Dame, Jamison Williams was still available, and you know these players ended up going in between the the 11th and the 16th pick. Kyle Hamilton ends up going 14 to uh, the Ravens, and Jamison Williams ends up going the pick after us, pick 12 to the Detroit Lions. And when you know watching the draft, watching it unfold, I, I really expected Kyle Hamilton to to get there. At 16, after Jameson Williams, you know, after Jameson Williams was selected at 12, there was uh, the 13th, the 14th, the 15th, three three picks before hours, and Kyle Hamilton ended up being selected by the Ravens, and at that point, me personally, I was a bit worried. I didn't know what Washington, what Washington's plan was. At 16, there some of the blue chip players that, you know, the media and consensus had as really high-quality players were already off the board, and instead of, you know, picking some of those players at 11, they end up trading back and they select wide receiver Jahan Dotson out of Penn State, uh, a speedy receiver, a smaller framed receiver, and I think initial reactions of the pick were completely blown out of proportion as Dotson is a player that media overlooked and... As he was compared to, you know, the bigger names, Jahan Dodson wasn't receiving the media attention that other players were receiving at his position, London, Garrett Wilson, Jameson Williams, Chris Olave, all were, were you know, getting ranked higher and talked about more than Jahan Dodson. But I think that selection was very, was a high quality selection, and Dotson is a player that essentially was Penn State's entire offense, as he was complete. He was you know completely covered by the opposing defenses, you know cornerback one, and often had double coverage, you know safety help on his side of the ball because he was everything. He was the only you know weapon that Penn State had. Uh, he was a, a spark plug for the offense, and he overcame sub park quarterback play. Uh, it didn't do Dodson any favors and the lack of supporting cast really hindered Dodson as he was often double teamed and schemed by the defense to eliminate his production. But what I really like about Dodson is on top of being Penn State's wide receiver one and still being able to produce with mediocre c- quarterback play, Dodson has no red flags on and off the field And he went during the media interviews after he was selected, you know, he sits down and talks to the Washington media and he's a very well-spoken player. He seems to be smart. And in interviews with the media, it's clear that he's a player that is going to come in here, put in the work and has his head on the right way. And he seems like a Ron Rivera kind of guy. Someone that's going to come in here with no red flags and is going to come here and just produce and go to work and not be a head case. The biggest concern with Dotson is not his actual ability, not his route running, it's not his his hands, it's not his uh, separation abilities, because he has all of that. All of those are high-quality traits. The only concern with Dotson is his lack of size, but what I would argue is, is that he plays much bigger than his size. He often high points the football, makes the tough catches, and bails out the quarterback when it's a bad throw, and if you watch the tape, Dotson... Is making plays left and right, and he literally was Penn State's entire offense. And I think it was clear that 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 Dotson was ranked very closely to Chris Olave, to Jameson Williams. He was ranked close to those wide receivers, and Washington had to have been comfortable, had to have been comfortable with moving back. They they were at eleven, I assume, and they had to have had a list of four to five guys that they knew were gonna be there at sixteen. And they were gonna be comfortable taking any of those players, whether it would have been Kyle Hamilton if he was there, whether if it was Jameson Williams if he was still there, or if it was Dotson and Dotson was still there, and he he was high on the on Washington's draft board, and you can't blame them for going out there and getting another weapon, even though he wasn't you know a consensus top guy to the media, to Washington, to their to their you know scouts. Dotson was what is is everything that we need him to be. Like I said, the only concern is his lack of size. He's you know five eleven, a buck seventy, buck eighty, but he plays a lot bigger than he is. And then he's now he's drawing comparisons to uh, Santana Moss, a, a, a Deshaun Jackson, a Steve Smith. So we'll see. You know I don't like playing the you know comparison games, but that's kind of what the names that are kind of circulating that he's being compared to. And I think that Dotson is a very a very high quality player and. And if you still, you know, there's still questions about what you believe in Dotson, just watch the game against Maryland. That's going to tell you everything that you need to see. He's out there putting double moves on dudes, breaking dudes out of their out of their shoes. It's, it's you know, everything you need to see is right there. And I think he's going to come in here and not only provide ability to play in the slot, but he'll be able to play outside and he'll be able to return puns. I think that the initial reaction of the pick was were really mixed. And I'm not going to see and act like I knew everything about Dotson and I, you know, figured he'd go after the big names, which he did, but he's still a solid receiver and he's doesn't he doesn't have to do anything flashy. He's gonna be able to get moved around with Scott Turner. Our offensive coordinator is gonna put him in the slot, put him outside. And he's going to be able to get the ball in his hands and make plays. And that's really what we need. The, Dotson excels at run after the catch. And he's going to give us another element to our offense that we just don't have. Terry McLaurin isn't the best run after catch player. And he's not really that great at putting double moves. But Dotson can run after the catch, has the double move ability, and he has amazing hands. He has rarely drops the ball I think all last season he had two drops and I think that that's what Washington really needs is someone that's going to come in here and be able to produce and not going to have to we're not going to have to you know mold him and try to get him touches you know as he's like learning along the way he's going to be able to get grasp of the playbook quickly and then just go out there and, and and produce, and I think that was the plan all along to get Terry McLaurin, someone to take the to take the workload off of him and to give him some help. Last season, Curtis Sammy was non-existent. I know they're hoping this year that Curtis Samuel is going to be able to come back and produce, but we're doing everything we can to surround Carson Wentz with some more weapons. And now that leads us to the second pick. The second pick in the draft, Washington selects Fidarian Mathis, a D lineman from from Alabama. And throughout the entire draft, throughout the eight picks, this was my least favorite pick of the entire of the entire draft hall. I believe that Mathis will play a role for this team year one, but there were other players on the board that, that I believe could have been a bigger help at our weakest position. And I think our weakest position as it is right now is, is linebacker. And it still is linebacker because we didn't go, we didn't draft a linebacker at all in the draft at all. And throughout the entire offseason, linebacker seems to be the biggest need for us. I think Nakobe Dean who fell out of the second round into the third round was a player that we could have used at a linebacker and you know he did slip because of his size and I don't I just I just think though that regardless of his size at the second round Nakobe Dean was you know could was looked at to be a first round player at the second round I think that's a risk you can take especially how thin we are at linebacker as of right now we have uh, Jamin Davis our first round rookie last year playing weak side linebacker, and then Cole Holcomb uh, playing strong side linebacker, but we're still without our middle linebacker. I think now the plan is for Cole Holcomb to play middle linebacker. And and, and here is another thing I want to point out, is that we aren't rarely in our base defense. We usually, we're always in a nickel now, especially because, you know, offenses now are putting on putting so many receivers on the field that we're never really in base. So we're never going to need to have three linebackers on the field. So I think what Washington is saying is that they're going to be okay with just Cole Holcomb and Jamie Davis on the field. And then we're just going to, you know, just have the depth behind them. And I think that's, that's an okay. It's okay. But I still think that the depth behind those guys is really thin. I mean, you're looking at a situation where if one of those guys get go goes down and gets injured, we're going to have to start David Mayo at linebacker, and he, he's just not athletic enough, and he, he's not fast enough, and I don't care how smart of a player he is. It's just when he's on the field, our, our defense is worse, and we needed someone to, to come in and fill that, that linebacker two role. But back to Mathis. I think Fedarian Mathis is going to slide into defensive tackle three and rotate and eventually start next season after Deron Payne leaves in free agency. You know the the rumors are that Darnell Payne is not being considered to be re-signed as of right now, and this is more likely than not his last season in Washington. So I think that this pick was more so uh let's get our guy let's get a guy now. Um we're not gonna be able to get a quality defensive tackle later, and we're just gonna have to roll with what we got at linebacker. And Mathis is considered to be a one to two down lineman, and that he isn't a polished pass rusher. I would have to agree with that. He did have nine sacks, but there these were mostly like on second effort plays where the quarterback's holding the ball, or the fir- or the first guy you know forces uh, the quarterback to step up, and then Mathis is there to clean it up. I I do believe that though, with proper coaching, he can complement what we all have nicely with Jonathan Allen and Deron Payne, and he will make splash pays. We're looking at you know a situation where we lost both of our defensive tackle depth with Matt Iounitis and Tim Settle. Tim Settle leaving to Buffalo and then um Matt Inet is leaving to the Panthers and you know has played 60% of the snaps last year so we're going to we needed a body to to just be able to go in and take those that percentage of the snaps just so that we won't fall off a cliff if Daron Payne or Jonathan Allen gets injured or they need a break and then Mattis can come in and provide some them some relief so I think that Mathis is a big physical player. I mean, he's a huge guy, and he's going to bring some physicality and some toughness to our team. I just think that there were some other players that at more positions of need. But that's not to say that defensive tackle is not a, a huge position of need either. I think that after losing your both of your defensive tackles, you had to have gotten somebody. I just thought that maybe they'd go with a later round selection rather than going with the second round. But that's just my opinion I think Matthew is going to be a solid player for us. And I think you're going to see this throughout our entire draft that these players are really safe. They're high floor, maybe not the highest ceiling, but I think the plan is evident that with Ron Rivera and this team, they're aiming to win 10 games and they're going to do everything they can to win 10 games. So that's just my opinion. I think Math is going to be solid, but there were other players that I would have liked to have seen to us take rather than him in the second round. Moving on to the third round, this is the the first pick that Washington received from the trade with New Orleans, and Washington drafted running back Brian Robinson Jr. from Alabama, and we knew Washington was interested in adding a running back, and Robinson is exactly what Washington has been missing since the departure of Payne Barber 2 seasons ago. Antonio Gibson is, you know, still RB1, but he showed last year that he's not a short yardage back and although Gibson still has the the upside, you know, he's been dealing with injuries and he dealt with them all year last year the turf toe, the turf toe has been bothering him for the whole year and he needs a compliment that can come in and give some productive carries And when, when he's tired or when he's injured. And this will keep, you know, taking the, some of the workload off of Gibson will keep him healthier, and then we won't force McKissick to have to play the Gibson role. McKissick can stay in his third down receiver role, and we all know how much McKissick excels in that role. So if Gibson gets injured or, or he's tired, we McKissick can remain in that role and Robinson will be able to take over the bulk of the carries, and we won't miss a beat, in my opinion. Another aspect that I like about Brian Robinson is his ball security. We know that Antonio Gibson has been prone to fumbles, and he had a lot of fumbles last year. And so when Gibson gets one gets, you know, careless with the football, we'll be able to put in a guy who's gonna be able to protect the ball and is a physical runner that's gonna be able to wear down the defense. Gibson, you know, had a lot of fumbles, and it's something that he needs to clean up. And I think Robinson is going to be able to push him to not only get better, to protect the ball more as well. And Robinson is a player too that doesn't have a lot of you know, you know, wear on his on his tires, if if you know what I mean. He he had to wait for his turn at Alabama. He he wasn't you know didn't just get inserted in as a freshman or as a sophomore to to get the workload of, the workload of carries. He had to sit behind Damian Harris, who eventually went to went on to the NFL with the Patriots, and then he had to sit behind Najee Harris two seasons ago. As After Harris went to the NFL to the, to the Steelers, he then got the, first, the full workload, and you got to see exactly the kind of player that Robinson is. So with Robinson, you get a high-quality player that has been coached well, that can complement what we already have in the running back room, and you get your short yardage runs that we desperately missed once Payton Barber left. And I think he was just a, a great pick in my opinion. I think Robinson is really going to really help our offense stay consistent. Because as we saw last year, when McKissick left the lineup, our offense was anemic. We could not move the football. And I think having another guy in here that's going to be able to complement Gibson and McKissick is going, to, is going to be exactly what we needed. I think that what the biggest, the biggest, you know, key point that we can take out of this selection is that Jared Patterson is probably more likely than not, um, not gonna be in the rotation anymore. He was our third down back, and you know he went undrafted, and it was a great story. But I just think that he didn't provide enough spark. He was just an okay running back, and I think that he's made a place for for himself. But I think he's just gonna bounce around at this point. But uh, I fully expect Brian Robinson to take over Jared Patterson as running back three. I just think it was a great pick. Robinson is going is someone with some upside too. You know he can if if Gibson doesn't turn out to be what we want and we don't resign him to a long term deal. And you know what it is the running back it's it's tough to pay a running back because they there's so much wear on their bodies and they get hit so much that it's hard to pay a running back big big money. And I think Brian Robinson can eventually surpass Gibson if Gibson ends up leaving in free agency or it just doesn't turn out because remember Gibson is a wide receiver converted running back and he's still learning the position so I think that Brian Robinson adds some security to this running back room especially in the long term. You know we're gonna have him for about four years at bare minimum, and McKissick's on a short-term deal. Gibson's approaching his free agency soon, so I think he that he just provides another body that's gonna be able to stay here and be able to learn and produce what with some guys in front of him. Now, now that's the first the first half of the draft. Now the back half of the draft, Washington made some other moves with their first um fourth round pick from um. Of uh, this is their own, the, the, their first personal for fourth round pick. This is the pick they already had. Washington drafts Percy Butler, safety out of Louisiana. Washington needed depth at safety, the Shazer Everett most likely done in Washington and in the NFL, honestly. And Butler provides help in the safety room and on special teams, where he excelled at Louisiana. He was the gunner at Louisiana really athletic guy he's built like a corner even though he's a safety so he's really quick and they needed they they just need to help in their th- in their three safety sets because as of right now Butler is going to compete for third safety duties with Jeremy Reeves and Derek Forrest and butler is considered a fast a good hitter but he's also very raw there's there's times where he's flails on the on tackles misses completely and 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 here's what I'm gonna say Washington likes players that are tested at big programs, but Butler played at a smaller school. I think that his measurables, like his physical, his physical ability and his physical traits is what really enticed Washington. And he's going he's gonna to be kind of a project, kind of a tweener between corner and safety. But I think he provides depth at safety and he provides depth you know, in the cornerback room and on special teams if needed, but I think he's going to make most of his damage on special teams because he's probably more likely than not going to be replacing DeShazer Everett, uh, who was our standout safety that played special teams more likely than not. Um, Then with the next fourth round pick, now this was the fourth round pick that Washington received in the trade with New Orleans. They traded that pick again with the Panthers to get two fifth round picks and then, um, the Panthers received this fourth round pick and then a sixth round pick. So with the first with the first pick in the fifth round, Washington selects Sam Howell quarterback out of UNC. So the first they used this pick on Sam Howell and Sam Howell entered the 2020, you know, college season as a favorite to be the first quarterback taken in this draft. And after his up and down campaign, Howell slipped all the way to round five. I think that Washington could not pass up this value. And before the Carson Wentz trade, Washington was heavily considered to take Howell in the second round. So I think it was a no brainer that in round five, you had to take this guy. And at this point, he's a fifth round quarterback. And before the Carson Wentz trade, I think that Washington would have taken him in the second round, no doubt. And just the way the board was falling, the quarterback slipped, you know, in it just it proved what the media and what this what the NFL teams felt about this quarterback, you know, this quarterback class. They were really not high on him and then the only quarterback taken in the first round was Ken Pickett. Malik Willis fell all the way to what round two or three. And then Sam Howard at round five. Desmond Ritter fell. It was it was not the best draft for quarterbacks, but this but this pick has so little risk and so much more upside that it was a no-brainer. Howell lost all of his weapons in 2021 and it was apparent that he was overcompensating and he could not, you know, he just wasn't the same player without the weapons around him. And I and I think it's it's a fair argument because he lost Javante Williams and Michael Carter, running back one and running back two to uh, the De- to Denver, to the NFL, to Denver and to the Jets. Then Diami Brown and Daz Newsome also went to the NFL. Diami Brown, you know, drafted to us and Daz Newsome went to the, the Bears. So he lost wa- running back one, running back two, wide receiver one, wide receiver two, all to the NFL. And he had to make it happen with, you know, in a very critical campaign for himself where he was trying to boost his draft stock and he fell flat. And whether that be, you know, his own personal problem Or if it was the lack of weapons, I still think that Sam Howell has some upside and he's going to be able to compete with Taylor Heineke for backup duties and get a chance to sit and learn. And this pick was all about value. Washington would have considered Howell way earlier had they never traded for Wentz. So Howell may not touch the field this year, but if the Wentz experience does not go well we have a plan b already and this has to have been my favorite pick in the draft the value the upside and i'm just going to say this real quick before we go on to the next pick is that if there it was a lot was made of Carson Wentz and his time in Philadelphia when when the eagles drafted Jalen Hurts in round 2 he felt threatened by it and they they even had packages with Jalen Hurts on the field um specifically for you know you know rpo's and stuff like that and I think Carson Wentz folded under the pressure of having a rookie behind them and a coaching staff that, that liked him. The coaching staff, however, in Philly, never, the plan was never to for Jalen Hurts to actually actually start and be the starting quarterback. He was just supposed to be the insurance pa- policy when Carson Wentz got hurt. And Carson Wentz didn't see it that way. And we all know what happened. He folded under the pressure, and that's why he ended up in Indianapolis. If Carson Wentz feels threatened by a fifth-round quarterback then I think the answer is right there, that he's not the guy. If he cannot keep Sam Howell out of his head, then there's a the problem already in his mental makeup, and he's not the guy. I can just say that right off the rip. If Sam Howell threatens Carson Wentz and Carson Wentz can't produce because of you know he's, he's not mentally strong enough to deal with a fifth-round QB, then Carson Wentz is not our guy. And I want Carson Wentz to be the guy. I want him to work out. And I'd rather it be Carson Wentz than Sam Howell, but... If if he can't produce, then we just know the answer right off rip. Of and Ron Rivera and the coaching staff, you know, did tell Carson Wentz what, what they were doing. They they contacted him. They they said, Hey, we're gonna select this we're gonna select Sam Howell here in the fifth round. This no way it indicates that we're moving on from you or that you're not gonna be QB one. This is just a guy that we're gonna have learned in the learning in in the in the room with us a guy is going to you know sit and be QB3 learn from you learn from Heineke and he's just going to be a guy that we're going to try to work with and develop into potentially a backup but maybe even the starter but you know they told Carson Wentz what the plan was and Carson Wentz has to you know have the mental toughness to, to not fall under that pressure and i just hope that the fan base doesn't immediately start calling for Sam Howe if Carson Wentz has a bad game or two I just think that we need to give Carson a, a chance and he's he Carson Wentz has all the tools we need and I think that Sam Howell is a very similar quarterback to Carson Wentz. The the Sam Howell has a cannon and so does Carson Wentz. So I think that the their play styles are very similar and you know Sam Howell really developed as a as a dual threat QB especially after this past season where he ran for a ton of yards at UNC. So I think Sam Howell is going to sit and learn and he's excited to be here too. And I'm excited for him to be a part of this team because he can be a long-term answer, especially if he sits and learns for a little bit, or he can just be a a high quality backup that we can rely on once Heineke has moved on. And once Wentz has moved on, if Wentz is not the guy going on to the fifth round. Now there's uh, three more picks. I'm going to try to go through these really quickly trying to get a, a quick episode in here. Round five, we select Cole Turner tight end out of Nevada Cole Turner is a big target and was a wide receiver converted into tight end, and I have been wanting to add to the tight end position all offseason, especially after we lost Ricky Seals-Jones to the Giants. You know, Ricky Seals-Jones played a, a huge role for us as our tight end two, eventually our tight end one, and Cole Turner will be able to compete with Sammy's Reyes for tight end three duties, but he'll be able to develop his raw ability potentially and potentially become a, a, a red zone target for us. Washington seems to like the project tight ends as Logan, you know, Logan Thomas was a quarterback turned tight end and Sammy Reyes is a, you know, international pathway player who, you know, never played football before he came to the NFL and now they have Cole Turner, a tight a wide receiver turned tight end. I think Washington likes the project tight ends as they come with good athleticism and they c- can create mismatches when they're covered by safeties and linebackers. I think Cole Turner is was a solid pick, and he was one of Carson Strong's favorite targets in Nevada. And Washington has to love his upside. The tight end room now has some big targets. I mean, Logan Thomas, John Bates, Cole Turner, and Samis Reyes are all big dudes. And we know that Carson Wentz loves to throw to the big tight ends. So I think that Washington really established their tight end room. And I think that now the the positioning is going to be Logan Thomas, tight end one, John Bates, tight end two, and Nicole Turner and Semis race are going to duel it out for tight end three, um, and we'll just see how, how, the, how it falls because there's a lot, of, a lot of upside now with the tight end group, in my opinion. Now, with the last two picks of the draft, Washington selected Chris Paul, a guard out of Tulsa, and Christian Holmes, a cornerback out of Oklahoma State. Chris Paul is strictly a depth guy and someone that the coaching staff will be able to work with. And I and I, you know, draw some similarities with Chris Paul as they did with what they've done with Keith Ishmael. So Keith Ishmael was uh you know a project guy who who has been on the team for about three seasons now, but didn't really get playing time until last year. They worked with him for two years, and I think they're gonna do something similar with Chris Paul here. He has position versatility, which Ron Rivera loves. Chris Paul projects to be a guard in the NFL, but mostly started at the tackle position when he was at Tulsa. So in a pinch, he can be able to kick outside, play tackle, but more likely than not, he will see most of his time backing up the guard positions. Uh, corner, uh, The cornerback we selected at Oklahoma State, Christian Holmes, shined at his pro day. He had you know a really good pro day. A lot of those Oklahoma State players did. And he can play slot corner, and he can play outside. The problems with uh, with Holmes is is that he can be over aggressive, and he needs to trust his instinct. He needs to play within himself. Now he's a bit older for a rookie, as he transferred a couple of times. And but I think you know Christian Holmes is strictly just going to be a, a depth guy. Washington needed to add to the corner room, uh, and Holmes should slide right into Q- cornerback five or four at the start of training camp. So that recaps every player that we selected the eight players we selected and i think overall washington had a solid draft from from only having six picks and making them into eight picks was a win in my opinion they chose safe players that are going to come in and contribute right away i think the first three picks of the draft uh john dodson Federian mathis and brian robinson jr are going to be contributors immediately and the remaining players all have their place as key depth and I think that this is one of Washington's safest drafts in recent memory, and and there is an argument to be made that the upside of these players is not too high, and that Washington was too safe. I think that that's what Washington wanted to do all along. They wanted guys to come in here and produce, and not and we're not going to need to be working with them. They're going to be able to come in and just be high quality players. And I think the plan is 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 there for for Ron Rivera is that they want to do they want to make the roster just good enough, just solid enough, just about as, as fail-proof as possible, and I'm excited to see what these players look like once we get to training camp and once we start the preseason. I'm super excited about Jahan Dotson, super excited about Brian Robinson Jr. and Sam Howell, I think, and, and Cole Turner, matter of fact, I think Cole Turner has some upside, and that once we get into the red zone, we can have you know, we can get into, like, a bunch formation. I mean, not a bunch formation, get into a heavy set with all three tight ends on the field and run some play actions, get those guys into some mismatches with some linebackers and safeties, and have Carson Wentz throw them some fades and let them high point the football. And I think there's a lot of a lot to like about this draft, and I think that Washington did, did exactly what they said they were going to do. They were going to add picks, they were going to select high-quality players, and they were going to get the players that they felt were going to come in here and be able to contribute right away. And like I said, I'm excited to see what these players all look like. So that's a recap of the entire 2022 NFL Draft. Uh, You can go ahead and click the link, the SpeakPipe link, to leave the show a voicemail. Let me know how you guys feel about the draft, what you guys think, what we did, what we could have done better, what Washington did, and just how you feel, who's your favorite player, who's your favorite pick, the least favorite pick. Let me know all that. Hit the link in the bottom of the description, speakpipe.com voicemail. And lastly, before we wrap up the show today... Oh, well, two more things before we wrap up the show. Uh, We're going to talk about a recent signing that we did right after the draft. Washington signed former Steeler guard Trey Turner to a one-year deal worth $3 million. Trey Turner is a five-time Pro Bowler and a player that Ron Rivera and the coaching staff know very well because Turner started five straight seasons with Ron Rivera. In, North, in in North, with the Carolina Panthers and I know I'm getting kind of tired of it too you know all these signings of the ex, ex-Panther players but it is what it is and he's a good player and once again Turner has position and flexibility and can play guard can play center he's going to compete with Wes Schweitzer for the starting guard spot and he's going to be able to be a good backup for Chase Rullier at center because you know Rullier is coming off of a season-ending injury so he should be ready to go by training camp but Trey Turner provides that that flexibility and that strong depth. And I think it was a high-quality signing. Washington now restocked their offensive line after, you know, they lost Eric Flowers and they lost Brandon Sheriff. I think that the signing of Trey Turner is good. The that we're gonna be able to put on whatever combination of five it is, whether it's Wes Schweitzer, whether it's Trey Turner, what whatever the the combination is. I think that we're gonna be happy with the five guys that we put out there to start for us, and then we'll be confident too in the depth behind them. We could be looking at a situation where we have re, two really good, you know, starting. Uh, caliber players that can start for us in a pinch in Trey Turner at the guard and center position and Cornelius Lucas at the tackle position, players that can start on other NFL teams, they're going to be backups for us. So I think that's a good position to be in. And then that's not even, you know, mentioning Sadiq Charles, a third-year a player who's been working with, with the coaching staff, trying to develop and who, you know, don't leave him out. He could be a dark horse to start at one of the guard spots, uh, depending on how it unfolds during training camp, and I think it was just a, a good signing, and is, is there's some upside, you know. And and Turner didn't play the best in in Pittsburgh, that's why he was you know not resigned. But I think that he can come in here and produce, especially with a coaching staff that knows him and knows his skills here already. So, I just want to finish up the show doing a uh, doing a listener hotline segment. We're gonna have a uh, we're gonna have a call coming in a voicemail from the show, and we'll wrap up the show after that, so I just want to thank you guys one last time for coming in and listening to the show. Appreciate everyone, and let's get right into the call. My question for you is, how soon do you think we see Sam Howell touch the field? Would it be this year, next year, or maybe even three years when Carson Wentz's deal is done? All right, bro. Thank you for calling in with your question, bro. I think that there's two sides to the argument. I think that there's a situation where we can see Sam Howell as early as next season. And obviously, he's going to get his run in during the preseason, you you know, in second quarter, third quarter. But I truly think that they're gonna give Carson Wentz every opportunity to succeed. And they're gonna give him every you know, let him go through his lumps because there are gonna be points in the season where Wentz is probably gonna be inconsistent, especially in the beginning of the year, as he tries to grasp the playbook. But I do think that there is a scenario where Carson Wentz fizzles out, you know, and he he doesn't lead us to where we wanna be in the beginning of, you know, in his first year, and they see enough from Sam Howe in the preseason. Enough in in you know in the meetings in team meetings and enough during film where they can feel comfortable giving him a chance the following season. I do think though that if Washington is you know a really bad team and they can only you know put together you know five six wins, I wouldn't be surprised if they you know disregard Sam Howell altogether and still attack a a early QB in the fall, next year's draft. You know Bryce Young or CJ Stroud, but More likely than not, if Carson Wentz does not, you know, produce what we want him to do, Sam Howell will likely get just as equal an opportunity uh, the following season. You know, this is a guy that they're super high on and that they would have picked earlier if if we had not acquired, you know, Carson Wentz. And I think it's interesting to think that, you know, if you were to ask Ron and, you know, they're not going to answer it, but, you know, I would like to know their answer to whether or not they would have traded Carson for Carson Wentz. If they would have known that the quarterbacks would have fallen in the way they had during this draft, I I don't think that they make that trade. But, you know, they knew that they needed an upgrade regardless and that whatever rookie quarterback was going to be in here, it was not going to be, you know, an instant impact kind of a player. These guys, the quarterback group of this draft, they needed time to develop. So I don't think we're going to see Sam Howell at all this year. And I think that's what, you know, most Washington fans would want. You know, I can't speak for everyone, but I do want Carson Wentz to succeed. And, you know, Sam Howell is okay, but, you know, how much, how good can he really be? You know what I mean? We've seen what Carson Wentz is as a quarterback in the last two seasons, but, you know, Carson Wentz has played at an MVP kind of level. And if he can, you know, even recapture 80 to 90% of that, 70% of that, I think he's our guy moving forward, and I wouldn't want to see Sam Howell. So I would assume that he's not going to be on the field at all this year. And more likely than not, we'll, we'll get all we're going to see from him this year is preseason ball, and that'll be it. And he, more, more likely than not, he won't even dress for game days, in my opinion. But we'll see what happens. Thanks for calling into the show. And with that, we're going to wrap up today's episode. Thank you for listening to the podcast. I hope everyone is staying safe out there. Uh, The football season is going to start, you know, ramping back up once we get into voluntary OTAs. Then we get into, you know, actual, you know, uh, training camp. Super excited to see how these guys are going to go out there and compete, see how these rookies come in. And we'll leave it at that. Thanks for tuning into the Pound for Pound podcast. I am your host, LB. Stay tuned for next week's episode. And I'll talk to all you guys very soon. Very soon. It's never pretty, guys. Sometimes it's never good. But the truth of the matter in this game is, you take them how they come. Good move by Heineke and out of bounds inside the five. <laughs> Heineke with protection. Ploret breaks free. Wow, what a pass! Okay, you stuck together. You do things that you needed to do. But there are a lot of things we got to correct. A lot of things we get better, and that's the truth. What a play! This is. The Pound for Pound Podcast.